0: We began a new study this morning, a new message series called Pray. Over the next several weeks, we are going to spend time focusing on what it means to be a prayer, to pray and be in the presence of God. Quite simply and directly, I believe that prayer is where God meets us. So wherever it may be and whatever may be going on, it's opportunity for us to find ourselves in the presence of God Himself. And over these next few weeks, we're going to take time to reflect and to study that through the Holy Word of God. And I want you to know a couple of things. uh, um, I'm always a little um, reserved timid when it comes to a series or a, a focus like this. Because I think it's quite important that you know something. I am in no way an expert of prayer, okay? I am not, I am not anyone who would claim to have, uh, to have all the answers when it comes to being a prayer or what that may even look like. And I can study and reflect and, and, and do all the things that you can do as well. But the, the focus of a series and a, foc- a focus of a message series like this is not to impart or to give grand wisdom and it's not even for me to take time in our worship together for you to have some really neat practical ways to have a more robust prayer life taking time for this kind of study is an opportunity for us to raise the temperature of our prayer lives just slightly to To bring back to the forefront the importance of, the value of being a prayer and to take time to pray. And so I want you to know that I come at this completely and utterly clueless at times, okay? That I I approach this as one who most likely needs this more than anyone else in this particular room and one who wants to Be invited into Scripture as one who, not understanding at times, but is invited to learn from Christ. And that actually just reminds me, I was going to mention this, because I think Chris Austin's pretty stressed out this morning. Uh, You keep seeing that message error pop up. It's Chris Austin's fault. That's all I want to say. It's not his fault. He's helping us get rid of it. The projector... Is having a fit this morning so you see that pop up just know that every time it pops up chris austin's blood pressure skyrockets okay (laughs) so he's helping us get rid of that message every time the projector i don't know what's going on we'll deal with that later but uh i I may i I meant to make mention of that before we got started uh here this morning i didn't grow up uh in in a uh, in a prayer household and I've mentioned some of these things before, but uh, my, my introduction to church as a child uh, was, you know, the, the occasional spending of the night with a grandparent, right? So some weekends it was Church of Christ and other weekends it was an Episcopal church. And that was kind of how I was introduced to Christ and church and prayer essentially. And as I became a teenager, my family began to go to church, and I began to be introduced to prayer and what a prayer life may look like. And all of my interactions with prayer for much of my life were in these formal settings, right? You go to church, and there would be a time of prayer. Someone would pray. You'd go to class, someone would pray. And as I got older, I learned, oh, we're supposed to pray before meals. Okay. Alright, so now we have another formal setting of prayer before we eat. We're going to pause. We're going to pray to God. And then I began to learn that another formal time of prayer was right before you go to bed. You should, you should pray before you go to sleep. So now I began to learn that prayer became this kind of set standard formal introduction to that you have these opportunities within your schedule to stop and pray. I don't know if anybody else has these similar experiences. We pray before our meals at home. We pray before bed, right? Maybe not every night, because sometimes you're just too tired and you, and you can't think straight and you go on, but these are these opportunities. And I learned that prayer became these formal moments. When you go to church, you probably expect at least one time of prayer. And I know the game. When an elder gets up, you're counting the time, right? Because that's what churches do. Because there's a prayer opportunity and there's these formal moments within the community that we pray. And for me, prayer became this this moment that you do at certain places at certain times. And I saw prayer, nothing more, and nothing more valuable other than that there was this opportunity for a group that was together to pray. Maybe we pray for someone, maybe we pray pray. Praise or thanksgiving over something, or we pray for thankfulness of the food that we have, whatever it may be, we had these set aside times, and it was nothing more than that for me. And so, when I come to a place like this and I, and I begin to kind of reread and, and re engage with scripture and what it looks like to be a prayer, I'm reminded of the robust depth that prayer brings to the followers. Of Jesus Christ. Because prayer, though there are times and there are habits and there are routines that we get into right before meals and right before bed, and we have a shepherd's prayer here at at heritage, and we have these opportunities for these rhythms in our life of prayer. Prayer is so much more, so much deeper, and so much more impactful than just these formal moments that we have to do. I want to explore this a little bit. And to explore this idea for a moment, we have to begin on the same page. And here's what I, And if there's nothing else you hear, which is not really good for the preacher to say at the beginning of all things, but if there's nothing else you hear this morning, you need to hear this. Pray. Pray where you are at and pray with what you have. Pray where you are at and pray with what you have. You do not need anything other than the moment that is before you. There is no tool. There is no degree. There is no moment or season of life that it's better than the other. What you need is the moment that is here before you to be a prayer. And to pray where you're at with what you have is a very vulnerable thing at times. Because what we begin to acknowledge with this kind of mentality or this attitude or this perspective of prayer is that we come to the presence of God with exactly who we are. Faults and all. Sin and all. Everything before us is here. We don't have to get to a certain level. We don't have to have certain things in order. You can pray right here, right now, in this moment with what you have because God has brought to be- before us the opportunity to come before Him. I remember uh, with all of my children, but in particular, uh, my son Wiley, my third child, um, he was, he was a young uh, a, a younger than he is now. He's nine, but he was kind of in those first words, sentences of his life. And as we, would, as we get together, uh, most nights of the week, uh, we eat dinner together and we pray together. And he was kind of in that stage where we want him to engage in the family prayer. So Wiley, I remember this night, Wiley, it's your turn. I want you to pray. And he says in his toddler voice, I don't know how. I don't know how. I said, sure you do. Anyone can pray. So I said, Let's, you just repeat after me. So pray. Dear God, dear God, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And that was it. That's the prayer. Right? That's how you can pray. Because where you are with what you have, that's all you need to be before God. We don't have to have robust words and, and big moments. We don't have to have grand agendas or long lists. We can come before God with where we're at, with what we have, and know that God shows up. God is meeting us in these kinds of moments. And that's what this focus is all about. It's about coming into the presence of God with where we're at, with where you're at, with what you have and what we have, because prayer is where we meet God. And it is far too easy for us. To see prayer as simply transactional. Go to this next slide for me. I think it's far too easy in the world that we live in today to see and to view and to function in prayer like a text message. Just something we can simply communicate, send off, and feel good that we sent off whatever it is that we needed to say to God you know how text messages work they're they they are communications of com, uh, convenience and more than that i think they're they're communication of laziness okay but it's how we communicate today because we can send off a message and then we can receive it when we're ready to receive it and i'm like so thankful that like my iphone is going to be allow me to unread text messages because I can then go back and read them you're like, oh, yeah, I need to talk about this, right? Because I forget about them. And you do this, too. You send them off and you receive them at your convenience. You respond when you're able. So it's a communication of convenience. And then what we do with text messages as well is we begin to read them and have these, these conversations at times. And we're not even sure at times the tone. So we start to read tone into message. You ever done this? You ask a question and the response is, I don't know. But you read it like, I don't know. And you're like, oh man, why are they so mad at me? <laughs> or you get the message back, I don't know. And you, and you kind of insert a ha-ha in there. and say, I don't know. And you're like, well, is that, are they serious? I don't, I don't understand. Right? And we begin to miscommunicate with one another. And this is how we often view prayer. Because prayer for us becomes transactional. When we see it as just certain moments and certain times or these places, right? When we see prayer as transactional, we see prayer in this formal sense that means that we're going to pray to God at these moments in these particular ways and we're gonna make sure that we get God all the message or all the information that we wanna give him and so we're gonna send off a quick message. God, I love you. All right, I said it. Okay, I can move on, right? Check it off the list, right? Oh, you know, I really should pray for my kids. want so, me send off the pray for them. OK, got it done. I pray for you, right? Like okay, someone, you're, just, Am I the only one who's ever done this? Okay Am I being too vulnerable in the moment? I think when we begin to function in view and live prayer as simply as, as communication, we miss. We miss what prayer is all about. You get the info or you send the info and we wait for a response. I've said this before, but I think this is absolutely true. God is far too often to us, nothing more than a customer service representative. For us, far too often, God is nothing more than someone who needs to take my complaint and do something about it. I was online just this week. I was trying to uh, fix something with our home internet. I was trying to make a change and get it, something fixed that was on the bill. And so I was working and I was doing some other things and I was doing the online chat so I could multitask. Okay? What a mistake that was, okay? Because I'm, I had to get to five different people at different levels to get to the person who could help me with anything. And this is God for us, right? We feel like, oh, God, God didn't show up for this one. He's kind of sent the, uh, you know, he sent the, fir- the front line, some angel of some kind here. Well, they can't help me here, so send me up to the manager, right? All right, I want to speak to your dad right now, okay? And God becomes nothing more than a complaint department. God, I don't like this. I don't know, understand why this is happening. Why did I get this kind of news? Why is this happening to my child? Why is this going on in the world? You need to do something about it. Oh, you can't do anything? I'd like to speak to to the one in charge of this place, please. Right, and we just keep working God up the ladder of customer service representative. Because now God is nothing more than transactional to us. Because if God's not gonna listen to us, which we equate listening to doing what we want, then God is nothing more than someone who's just going to take all the complaints. And if he's not going to do anything about it, you know what? I thought about a few times this last week is I need a new Internet provider, right? Because if God's not going to do anything about it, then what am I going to do? I'm going to move on to someone else, something else is going to do something about it. God becomes transactional. And when God's transactional, we completely take the God out of the God. We completely move the power and the, and the prestige and the holiness of our Father and we turn Him into some kind of genie in a bottle that's supposed to take care of us in everything we do. When prayer is transactional, we are not praying, we are complaining. And prayer is more than communicating, it's communion. Prayer is about being with God. Stop. Stop. End of sentence. Prayer is about being with God. Notice, I am not saying it's about talking to God, though there is going to be talking. Prayer is about telling God, giving God orders. Prayer is about being in the presence of and with. Prayer is about communion more than it is communication. Prayer is about being in the presence and putting ourselves in moments and places where we can be in the presence of God Himself. And when we begin to view and to see prayer as more than something that's transactional, but actually something that we can be in the presence of our Father, then we begin to see and to reframe prayer altogether. It becomes something deeper, more robust. It becomes about us and our Father in heaven. It becomes about Him and our moment of life, wherever it is we are in this moment. It becomes about the Creator of all things listening to us in this place. Reframing prayer is a reframing of how we practice prayer. And it's more than sharing, it's being with. Prayer is not getting what you want. It's about being present with God in this moment. And prayer is not about checking off a list. It's about creating space to see the face of God. I love this quote. It's a it's a it's an unattributed quote, but I, I I love I love it nonetheless. And whomever said it, I appreciate them for it because uh, this person said it is strange that while praying, we seldom ask for change of character, but always a change in circumstance. Man, isn't I mean? At least for me, it's like whoa. Isn't that true? But when we begin to reframe prayer and the practice of, it's not about circumstances, it's about character. It's not about the outward, it's about the inward. And that's what brings us to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 begins to help us in this journey of reframing prayer and the practice of. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Jesus is on the road of teaching and healing. And there's a lot of of teaching going on in in the previous couple of chapters of Luke. And it continues here in Luke chapter 11. And in particular, I want to pay attention to verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now let's stop there for a moment. Because here in this moment, there's a couple of things worth pointing out. Jesus was praying, and Luke, out of all the four Gospels, Luke makes this consistent pattern of prayer in Jesus' life evident. And here's another example where Jesus is praying in a certain place, meaning most likely that Jesus left His disciples and the group and He found a place alone. He teaches that in Matthew 5, and we'll look at that in a future week. But He goes off to be alone with the Father. And the disciples have seen this pattern in Jesus' life. They've seen Jesus go off to certain places and pray. And at times, we even know in Scripture, He's prayed the entire night for going sleep. This is a pattern to which the disciples have seen in Jesus' life. And here, in Luke chapter 11, after this consistent pattern of prayer taking a priority in Jesus' life, there's the disciples and one of them speaks for all of them and requests to know how to pray. They refer to John the Baptist here because John the Baptist had been teaching on prayer and his followers not only were taught prayer, but practiced prayer. And here we get the kind of the we get to the insight that Jesus has never really taught on prayer. He didn't hold a class or a seminar in prayer. He didn't get his 12 disciples together and say, OK, guys, let's talk about prayer a little bit because your prayer life's lacking. He never accuses them. He never, he never shoves it in their face. But you know what Jesus does that I think is far more important than sitting down the twelve around a campfire and saying, okay, you need to start doing these kinds of things in prayer. He shows them. He shows them. He lives it out. It's important to him. And he he brings prayer along into his ministry, into his life, into the interactions with others. Prayer is so important to his life that over time the disciples not only notice it, they're now curious about it. So they ask the question, Lord, teach us how to pray. I mean, John's teaching his disciples, we see you pray, teach us how to do this. How do you stay up all night and pray? How do you get away from the crowds and pray? How do you get up early and pray? How do you stay up late and pray? We want to know, how does this prayer thing work? Because we've seen it in your life. This is what the disciples are asking. Lord, we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We know that you do this. We want to be like you. And one of the moments here that I think is really important in the grand context of, of Luke's gospel is that this is a moment where the disciples really begin to be in community because they realize that not only being a follower of Jesus, but being a community of Jesus at the very center in the heart of who they are is prayer. That it's important if their rabbi is going to pray this way, maybe we should try to pray this way. And so they ask. And I I think this is worth pointing out because here it's really important. When I say you can pray where you're at with what you have, this is exactly what the disciples are doing. They have no idea. They think, They have to be like the Pharisees and Sadducees, teachers of the law, that they have to have certain, I don't know, prestige, a certain certain way about them to be prayers. This is what we've been taught. This is what we've seen in the synagogues and on the street corners. This is the kind of prayer things that we've seen. They have the eloquent words and the right things to say at the right time. But Jesus, you, you seem to be alone in your prayers. You seem to go off. Just you and God. You don't very rarely invite us over. You don't teach us like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. No, you, you just go and pray. And there's something here in this community that's dipped in and it's, and it's founded in this kind of prayer life. I want to know what that is. And I think to be a prayer where where are you at with what you have, perhaps the most important thing that we can do is have a little curiosity. Have a little curiosity. How does Jesus do it? How can that live out in my life? What does it mean to get up early and pray? What does it look like in my life? What does it mean to pray, not transactionally, but communally? What does it mean for me? Have a little curiosity, because that's exactly what the disciples have here. They have curiosity. They have curiosity because they have been paying attention to Jesus. And when you pay attention to Jesus, curiosity may be our best friend in our walk with the Lord. Jesus doesn't teach him, He shows them. He has shown them for months, if not years at this point. And our first step can be their first step. We can ask with curiosity. How? How? Now at this point I think many of us might be thinking, well I've been praying for a long time. I know how to pray. Now I'm thinking the disciples at this point, they had some kind of prayer life. I think they have some relationship with God. These are uh, Jewish Faithful followers, fishermen and tax I mean, they're, they come from all different backgrounds, but there's some kind of relationship with God here. So the fact, it's not about, well, I've done this before. It's about having the curiosity or the willingness to look at Jesus and go, how do I do that? How do, what does that look like for me? And if Jesus isn't challenging how we approach things in our life, then we are not paying attention to Jesus. Because Christ does that. Now the prayer which we are about to read, you're thinking, man, one verse, that's a long time, Travis. Well, don't worry, i got three more verses. We often refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. I want to uh, make a suggestion. Now, I, I think calling it the Lord's Prayer is perfectly fine, and I think it is suitable. But I really think, especially here in Luke chapter 11, it's the disciples' prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. It's their curiosity and questioning that brings Jesus to this very simple, poignant, straightforward teaching of prayer. Now, he's going to have some, some uh, parables after this, but we're going to, we're going to read v- verses 2, 3, and 4 for this morning and stop here. But the disciples' prayer gives it this, I think, another reframing of what prayer is in our lives. It's the opportunity for the followers of Jesus to pray more like the Father or the Lord. It's opportunity for disciples to see and to understand and to live out and to struggle with at times praying. It's us together as a community at the Heritage Church of Christ like the 12 disciples in Luke chapter 11 expressing our sense of togetherness that in community prayer must be important to us. That we are united in prayer because we are united when we go together before God. Because God is present in our prayers. And God meets the needs of us in prayer. And God listens to us in prayer. And God provides to us through prayer. And when we pray, God is there. And so together, as disciples, we go to prayer. And this is your prayer, it's our prayer, it's your ability, it's our ability to go before God and to say, as Jesus teaches them, Luke chapter 2, when you pray, say this. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, this prayer is a little shorter than the Matthew chapter 5 version, and we'll talk about those things later. But this morning, what I think is most pressing in this time is that Jesus immediately gives them words so that they can immediately, where they're at with what they have, go to God in prayer. And he begins quite personally because prayer is not transactional, it's relational. Father. Father. This is personal. This is before him. Father. Hallowed. Be your name. Holy is your name. So I want to end with an opportunity in this moment and in the moments to come, in particular this week, for us to understand and to live out and to be encouraged more than anything else to pray. And I think, like the Lord's teaching, we can start simply but also with purpose. And we can begin what I'll call with giving praise and prayer. Because that's how Jesus begins His teaching. Father, hallowed be Your name. Father, holy are You. And when we begin to praise, when we begin to pay attention to the things that are worthy of praise in our life, you know what we begin to do? We begin to reframe how we approach prayer. Not as transactional, but as relational. When we begin with, Father, hallowed be your name, we begin to see prayer as something relationship driven, not complaint driven. We understand, we remind ourselves we are in the presence of God. And so, we're gonna pause in this place. I'm gonna ask one of our shepherds, Mark Dobrins, to come up. And Mark is going to lead before us on our behalf a prayer of praise. Our shepherds over the next several weeks as we study, as we go through this message series, are going to have different focuses of prayer. And this morning, my encouragement and our encouragement in this time is to pause and to pray a prayer of praise. Let's worship the God and remind ourselves in the perspective of the God who gives us so much. Mark.
1: you please bow with me dearly father we are just in awe of you and your power we look at your creation and we're just amazed Lord we thank you so much for the greater Oklahoma City area we praise you for Edmond we praise you for North Edmond we praise you for this elementary school That we're able to meet and worship you we praise you for the new faces that we've seen today the new people that um, we need to get to know we praise you for each individual here today we praise you for for your love we praise you for your forgiveness for your mercy and your grace Lord, you are amazing, and we don't deserve it, but we praise you for that. Lord, we, we just <clears throat> ask that you uh, be with our congregation as we grow, as we move to a new building soon, as the building process uh, continues. We praise you for that. We praise you for the Memorial Road Church of Christ, for their help, for their vision. We praise you for what you're doing in this great community of Twin Bridges. We thank you for that neighborhood, and we praise you for each individual there. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, Mark. At the end of your Version Bible app notes, and if you want to go to edmondheritage.church slash Praise, I will make sure that that information is given to you this week. Uh, you'll find a sheet of paper that you can print with uh, some very simple guidance and how this week in particular, you can pray praise this week. And uh, it's, simp- it's pretty simple. Uh, I'm encouraging and inviting all of us this week to kind of have a heightened sense for the things that are worthy of praise from God this week. And to list those out on the sheet of paper and kind of build an ongoing praise list. And one that each night or each evening or however your schedule may fit, that we can pause, you can pause in that place and pray praise. Pray to the Father who is holy before us. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to sing one more song in this place. This is our invitation. I'll make myself available up front. Mark will make himself available in the back. Uh, one of our shepherds, uh, Mark, will be back there as well. And you can find either one of us. If there's anything that we as a church can do for you, uh, it can help you in any way, we're here for you. It's not the only time you can find us. Uh, I, think, I think all of our shepherds are here this morning. Oh, no, John, I haven't seen John yet. I mean, there's five of them here. Oh, there he is. Okay. Sorry, John, there's all six of them are here. So all of our shepherds are here. You can find any one of us, we can help in any way, but let's stand together and let's sing.